Don't be afraid of being something more. It improves posture. You're searching to be more, you're searching to learn more, you're searching to do more. It's a call to action. It's a call for ownership. A means to really live, whatever that means to you. Welcome to the show. Shall we? Yeah, Michelle. Michelle. Episode I've got 13. so much. Oh, lucky number 13. There was a lot that happened last week, and we, we weren't all here to join you. You did your solo cast. Yeah. Well, we're yeah, live. That's okay. We're live now, right? So yeah. we're, at, we're at episode 13. We missed uh, 12. Uh, life happened. You, you missed 12. Yeah, no, I said, right. I was going to say we missed yeah. 12. Life yeah. happened, and James picked us up. Um, yeah. Talked some crap about all of us, but it's okay. I think we should all it's share okay. our grievances now, James. <laughs> <laughs> are we recording? We are, right? We are, yeah, okay. we're reco- We've we're been rolling. recording for three minutes. Yeah, we're rolling. We're rolling. Episode 13, lucky number 13. Uh, Georgia, what is your Live grievance? A larger life. What's your grievance with James? Let's kick it off. Uh, his eyesight is really poor. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. For our audio folks. That's a good one. That James stings because my wife said the same thing. <laughs> so that does hurt more than you think. Not as bad as I'm sure stupidity of Virginia <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu that is, though. <laughs> well, let's recap that. James's grievance was uh, BJJ was, what was the term? Stupid? No. Uh, you just don't like it. Oh, he no. said he didn't like it. I forget, actually. I wanted to be, com- I wanted to be like soft. You laughed when, you laughed when you said it, which yeah. I appreciated, so yeah. thank you. <laughs> you know. You just, James just is like, fun. I got to get this out somehow. Maybe a little chuckle. And I came up I with that it. like right before too. So yeah. this is the stuff that's floating in my brain. That was yeah. a pretty, that was a, right? d- yeah, that was a deep one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So BJJ is whatever the term is. James doesn't like it. Yeah. Uh, was it, I hate it? Well, was it, do you hate it? No, no, no. Or do you no, not no. like it? No, let's, re- let's it? recap. Um, yeah, it's just her connection to BJJ. Kindness. And... Lack of looseness for you. For me, lack of looseness. Looseness. Man. You need to do some more stretching. Yeah, what is that? Let's dig into that for a You're second. You're tight. One. Am I tight? Like tight. Like physically I mean, tight? He's an Everything is tight. His top he, button an, is he's uh, an operator. unbuttoned. Yeah, do you see this, James? Yeah. I feel like that's, <laughs> that's a so part good. of the persona of Carl. And you know, you look so good with full, full <laughs> V down. <laughs> <laughs> no, you would. This is a guy who could go V down. Little peck thing and uh, a cross um, gold. I can see it. Emblem. That would be a whole next new uh, personality. Yeah, next but week, you could me. do it, okay. Carl. Like 2. I mean, 0. you know how some can't. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you see how you're laughing right now? <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> because I, when you said I can't do that, I pictured you doing it. <laughs> right. And then in my mind, I'm ridiculous. like, James can't right. do that. Which yeah. means I can't do that. <laughs> some guys can't rock a deep V. No, can this guy rock a deep V? I honestly v? don't think anyone can rock a deep V. Really? Yeah. You know what's coming I, back? I think cross. you're like rock when you rock the deep V with the mm. with the gold cross. Yeah, yeah. I think you should bring it. They're trying to bring it back. They're trying to also bring back pockets on T-shirts. I wear pockets I'm on T-shirts. I'm down with that. Yeah. It's newer, a, I, I mean, it's been back in the last year. When right. they bring back tucking in, I am all in on uh, that one. Oh, I they like tuck. They start tucking back. Do you a like tuck? A French tuck, like tuck in the front. Yeah, that's a good look. About? Oh, I hate the French tuck. Oh, you, you guys are talking tuck? about yeah. uh, shirts. Fashion. Shirts. Oh, okay. Well, we I was like, right? There's a whole industry now. Untuck it. Like, I mean, they yeah. made... I just walked into that store last weekend. James Taylor and I tried to bring tuck back in, and Megan had no business with that. Yeah, she didn't even allow it for a day. The whole thing? Oh, like in the the, we were coaching all day yeah. when we were training. It's You're talking t-shirts. You talking t-shirts in. <laughs> that's different. A button-down shirt, like a nice button-down tucked into a pair of jeans with a good belt. That's a different story. 
depends on how. Uh, yeah, you see, that's almost going is. out of style. Sometimes you see the fit that's like too like frumpy. It yeah. doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey man, just let that thing ride. Yeah, because the untuck it folks could, you know, be a little bit more size wise around the belly mm-hmm. and just let that shirt hang down yeah. now, right? Because yeah, yeah. when they had to tuck it. You know, they thought it was like some you know oppressive regime really that was like, oh, you make me show off my belly. Well, so, James, you know, you know where that comes from? That's like that old school uh, personal trainer in you, right? Like the polo. Oh, totally. Tucking in the polo totally. and the windbreaker yeah. pants. Totally. And, I like that look. You would think it wouldn't, though, because I hated doing it when my mom told me I had to for like just dressing up. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. cl- it just felt like confined. As soon as I became a strength coach, the now, polo like the tucked in. Oh, T-length is also pants, becoming a thing. The stripes. <laughs> You've boots, got these the really long the men's fashionable tees now mm. that are, you, they untuck, but it looks like they're wearing a dress. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah, into I'm that. I'm not a fan of that. Not down. No. I feel not like that, that came and went. Is it still a thing? still kind of a is thing. Is it still a thing? In the gym fashion world, athleisure. Mm. Yeah, that's why I was curious. Well, I, don't, I didn't wear the shirt today, but we have the product sponsor, Tee Public. Um, we have OPEC shirts on there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make yeah. sure we provide the link to it, but... They're a little bit long. Remember, I had some fears yeah. that they'd be. Yeah. L- they're a little bit long, but hey, I'm okay with it. But the reason why I don't like long, I like males. I should just preempt before I say this. That'll be okay. Uh, I like males showing off their ass. Yeah, me too. I like. I want males to have that higher top. Not not. I don't give a shit about the front, but yeah, like show off your uh, your ass, your athletic ass. Yeah. Or if you got if you don't have an ass, show that off. Maybe it'll motivate you. <laughs> So that's why I like short right. shirts. Short shirts. Short All t-shirts. Right. So next week, deep V, uh, gold, chain, gold chain, and short on the back for me. Yeah. Show off that uh, behind. Yeah, if you want to take it to a whole new level too, just let your hair just like go all over just the place. Just grow it. Grow it out. Just go all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Don't even shave. Got it. Uh, that doesn't work for me, James. Nothing really happens <laughs> when I don't <laughs> shave. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're similar in that fashion yeah. though. I think we can yeah. let it ride for a while and no one yeah. will really notice. No. Uh, we, we were on a gym's call before, uh, just before this, and um, I think it was Mizar. He's like, oh, are you growing a beard? And I was like, that's so kind. Wow. But no. Uh-huh. Well, thanks no, a lot. Not at all. Appreciate it, though. I wish. How often do you guys have to shave your legs, or do you choose to shave your legs? I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah a couple times a week. Okay. I'm like a good weekly shave with some touch-ups. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, but okay. yeah the touch-up is a thing. Underarm is probably like every day. Okay. Oh, yes. Just, I okay. like that clean. I don't okay. have to shave my underarms. I love talking really? about I like no female hygiene. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. What's that again? I love talking about female hygiene. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's uh, It kind of sucks, honestly. We got to do a lot more yeah. for like just a baseline. Like yeah. the things that like you, we got pretty you shouldn't easy. say you have to do, yeah. but yeah. just the Pluck face your eyebrows. and stuff. But you also don't have enough eyebrows for that. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not very hairy. If you choose <laughs> to do it, right? <laughs> no, my girls and I were talking about that. Uh, my first experience of females with underarm hair in mm. Europe. Yeah. Yeah. I found that like, you know, I wanted to tell them about that and tell them that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also know some friends who who don't shave their legs as well. Yeah. Um, because of how young they are? I know uh, they're just deciding <coughs> not to. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I know some women yeah. who, who do too. Yeah. I know we're all Yellowstone fans. If you guys have watched 1883. Yes. Obviously back then they didn't, ladies didn't shave their armpits. There's c- quite a few scenes where the. Young girls in a dress. The young, like, good looking girl. Yeah, 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 it was like stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. 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 My girls know her. Really? Yeah, she's a a star of a young adult uh, show. The lead actress. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Lightning with the yellow hair. Yeah, because they oversaw me. uh, Yeah. Uh, oversaw me uh, watching it. Yeah. She, they were like, "That's anyways." She's she's big. She was awesome in that show, by yeah. the way. Really good. We should do a segment 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe do a segment on show. I love talking about shows, but let's keep it moving. For sure. Yeah, let's yeah. Did moving. you guys have any grievances about James just before we do <laughs> move on? Because <laughs> I said mine. I feel like I'm mean uh, now. No, you're not. Grievance with James. I think if you want to move on, we probably shouldn't because yeah. that was light. If it gets any heavier, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we're James not might stopping. cry. We're not stopping. <laughs> yeah, let me think about that. Okay. Maybe, maybe, I don't. Yeah, if we, I'm if too we, kind. If right? we go back around. <laughs> but I genuinely appreciate time <laughs> with James. <laughs> That's the grievance. <laughs> I don't get to spend enough time with you. <laughs> That's it. Because That's of it. the kindness. That's it. All right. Let's uh, keep it moving. Um, I, ha- I have a lot of stuff that's like heavier, but I wanted to start with something lighter. Can I do that first? For sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Radaring it? Is, is James going James gonna to oh, kick us off? Oh, that's right. You go oh. first. Yeah, let's go, James. Uh, kicking us off here. Okay. Let me get my <laughs> Hold on. What, what, what were we supposed to say? James. Uh huh. James, what are you paying attention to right now? Uh, James, no, no, James, yeah, what's no, on your mind? mind? James, what's the on your mind? The kickoff was fine, right? Yeah, what's on your mind? What did I have an issue with? Uh, I said, we, I said, uh, what are you looking at? And you're like, well, oh, uh, right, so, okay, yeah. That's my grievance. That's my that's my grievance. <laughs> he can't just take it. He's Accuracy just like in language. He yes. doesn't. He doesn't let it go. He's James. Sometimes he's like he gets caught up on little things, but you yeah. know you can appreciate that. But it could be a grievance as well. All right. Uh, Adam Castillo wins All-American Award. Yes. We all know Adam. We love Adam. Yeah. Um, and it's because I just started uh, drinking this past week a coffee that uh, he's going to have in his coffee shop that's next to his gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave me some to try with his, this is his partner who he's working with on this and they're roasting it. And uh, it was fantastic. Awesome. So. That is good enough reason for me to win the All-American Award I just, just saw for him. that. Yeah, so Adam is the owner of Opex Riverdale in New York City. You just saw him? Uh, we had a call. Yeah, I just saw him. Oh, okay, got, yeah. it. got it. Virtually. Yeah, I cool. saw him virtually. Super. How's cool. his hair? Uh, it's still going. Yeah, it's still so going. Good. Yeah, yeah. He has so nice envious. Hair. Yeah, he, he's letting it hang out. Man. He's loosening it up. He's not keeping it tight. Chain? No uh, chain. I think he might have had a chain on today, oh, too. Man. Yeah. He's in New York City. Those guys, those guys bring it hard with the chains. <clears throat> Love the chain and the hair. Um, yeah, and uh, I just, I just got back from Canada. Um, got an opportunity to spend most of the day. Well, lots of great things. So I was mentoring pre-call with my daughters, being able to see their um, niece and nephew. Is that my brother's kids? Is yep. that what they're called? Yeah, yep. nieces and nephews. Uh, no, cousins. Cousin? Well, you're, cousins you're, to his kids, but his nieces and nephews. Yeah, you're. Oh, you're sorry. Yeah, no, I was actually talking about their. Yeah, their, but their cousins. cousins yep. my niece and nephew. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alice and Andrew, and uh, yeah, it was a great, great time. I get to spend with them. With the girls, uh, loved it. Um, thing that stuck out in my mind was uh, just some of this um, uh, stuff that I have with Canada. Just in general, um, a couple of things came up from. I mean, I could speak about it ad nauseum and at length from my journey from Canada to America and, and the story and how I see things and what's happening. But uh, I'll, I'll uh, exp- see if I can explain myself here and what I see happening uh, from my brother and I spending time together. We spent time together on Saturday and we watched hockey. We watched uh, almost two full games. And um, it was a great example of what I love uh, about Canada and what is really just irking me about Canada was that entire experience. 
the fact that my brother, you know, I love my brother, but the fact that getting time to spend with him, and he is Canadian, you know, that that's what I love about Canada. But he represents um, all the people that I love in Canada. And uh, he does represent the the feeling that I have or the deep feeling that I have about going back and seeing my old home and seeing OPT and reminiscing and, you know, having all these nostalgic feelings. Uh, that's what I love about Canada. And at the same time, though, in watching hockey, all I could see was woke ideology and identity politics amongst the sport of watching it. Uh, probably 50% of the commercials were based upon... Um, in multiple different ways, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't look away from how, how strong it is, uh, you know. Um, and I don't know. I just thought about a lot of things, like young kids watching this, and I, I keep looking at the players on the ice, you know, and I keep thinking about my brother, and I keep thinking about, you know, all the, the awesome Canadians, right? Um, but then I see on TV a reflection, whether you like it or not, it's a reflection of what is just what is just happening and people making making a molehill out of nothing, really, making this big issue out of nothing. Um, yeah, so that was a big, you know, reflection point for me um, of, you know, just to, to summarize it and make it really short of the trip back. Awesome to see family. Great to spend time with my brother. But my brother and the hockey game was a great reflection of what I love and what I also hate currently about what's happening. Um, not just in Canada. Not just in Canada. But I wanted to center it on that uh, because I could pick up other sports or watch other sports from different angles. And I might or I might not see the same thing. And there's one thing that really was hard. It was a Scotiabank commercial, commercial that they um, sponsored. And uh, it started off with saying hockey is, and then it went through like these 12 different things, right? Racist, homophobic, you know, da -da 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 -da. like they they jam them all out. And then they end with hockey is, and then of course all the wonderful rainbow and butterfly color, colors, uh, not colors, sorry, um, language comes up, right? Inclusive, growing, whatever the case may be. And I'm just I'm just sitting back going, hockey was never like that. You know, and you can pick out of all the examples of all the shit that went on with, you know, Hockey Canada having some issues and all the tournaments and there's abuse that happened in Hockey Canada. I mean, but if you look at the, the whole entire movement of it and the people that were involved, it's a it's a beautiful, unbelievable organization of people um, who just want to express themselves. Like, I don't think anyone else in the world can express. That's a separate conversation, but I think hockey means a lot to us, and it's really sad to see that, like, full-on, you know, displayed during, you know, watching these guys who I know. I, I knew a lot of them. No, I don't know a lot of them now, but these were great people, you know, salt-of-the-earth folks that uh, that are out there just, you know... <laughs> loving the game and now there's all these expectations social expectations etc so anyways so to be lengthy on that but that was my reflection of uh what happened just to uh, up there and clarify a little bit and i'm going to tie in something in a book that i'm reading to connected to that um to finish i i, I think it's important that we talk <coughs> this out a little bit mm. I, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it's words like growth or diversity or equity, like those ideas that you have an issue with per se. It's the fact that they're being exploited as basically a marketing ploy. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like they're like they're saying there's this huge problem. Let's just use one area, right? Hockey is racist, right? They're just coming up with that and then saying something on the other end. For sure. And then promoting whatever they need to promote. Put all your money in our bank. Do I mean that? That's the that's the premise. But they like fly through it, right? All these things, and then this, and then it's all these wonderful, you know, individuals in the background, including all the things you want to think of, right? And and I'm just I'm just with my experience in hockey, with training hockey players, knowing the Canada culture, knowing the people in Canada, right? We never once thought that was present. If anything, I think we actually overcorrected in trying to allow people to be a part of the sport because uh, hockey is expensive. And, of course, there's geography issues, there's temperature issues, renting ice. You can imagine, this expensive, right, uh, to rent equipment, et cetera. Man, we've got, we've got years and years, decades of stuff showing, as an example, hockey players um, giving a lot of their money or a lot of their time and effort to give free equipment out to people who want to start experiencing the sport, right? Like, and we have, I don't know, we got, Jesus, like 100 years of that experience. And this is what you want to, you know what I'm saying? It's like, just... Why? Is that coming, Why from, bring is that coming from hockey or is that coming from Scotiabank? It's a combination of everything. I think, well, that ties into the post-journalism conversation of the change in media. It's, it's uh, you know, it's not, it's not ad revenue dominated anymore. It's, uh, it's the politic dominated. So the people dominate the concept of what they want to see, you know, creating tribalization, polarization, et cetera. So... It's, it's that. It's the tie-in. So as an example, hockey is just like, you know, how are we going to make our money? Right? We're a business. Right? How are we going to make our money? Ooh, you know, not talking about racism uh, will, will not make us money. Uh, oh, we got we to gotta do something about that. Uh, let's get sponsors who agree with that idea that we're racist, homophobic, et cetera, et cetera. It's that, interesting, too. And then and they're like, oh, oh, don't worry. We'll sponsor whatever, you know, based upon that. Yeah. And hockey's like... Yeah, but is it is it possible that we're not any of those things? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, we'll we'll find one out of twenty four thousand stories that uh, something went wrong, and that's the thing we're going to focus I'm, on. I'm in not reflection sure if you know for the, the sport. I don't. I'm not sure if you know the answer to this, but um, <clears throat> how is how is that affecting or not uh, young kids getting into hockey in Canada today, relative to twenty or thirty years ago? Like, what is the um, like hockey's yeah. like you know I spent some time in Canada and hockey yeah. was the th- like that's it yeah. right I I assume it's still the thing in Canada um yeah. is it still the thing for young kids Uh I don't know Yeah yeah I don't know but uh I could probably guess that it's there's not an access issue Like it's not like you know there's signs up that are like you know don't come in here whatever you, your religious belief color of your skin or your sexual preference we don't accept you like that that's just shit that we society has come up with. Yes. I think what's hard and now, and now we're saying it's a part of the sport. It speaks to it's not accessibility to this book. But yeah. if you look at the trend, I don't know, last fifteen years in advertising, it has been to become more and more integrated. Right. So it, there was a clear separation in advertorial content. Well, first, just commercial content, 
mm-hmm. versus whatever the content of substance was that you were consuming. And there was a clear line which you could tell I'm being, I'm viewing or consuming advertising, I'm viewing or consuming the content I want to consume. Then it became advertorial where there was some blurriness, but you couldn't really tell. And now everything is extremely integrated. So the content itself is the advertising and there's no separation of what you're consuming because you want to consume it and what you're being forced to consume through ad dollars and ad spend. And so yeah. these messages become so blurred that you don't know if it's the bank or is it hockey or, you know, or is yeah. it the team? You have no clue who is responsible and where, where the message is coming from anymore. Yeah. But they're all in on it, whatever, you know, they're all in on it together mm-hmm. to make the whole system run. That's just what we forget, right? It's a business, it's entertainment, right? There's a lot of, you know, immoral stuff that's inside of entertainment, but it's not supposed to be moral. We're not, it's just like people expressing themselves and we pay money to see it, right? Because if you go down that road, you know, with regards to like the conversation of diversion, equity, and inclusion inside a sport, it gets, it gets ugly. Mm -hmm. The stuff that you're going to come up with, right? So, you know, because based upon what these, I guess the Twitterati or whoever it is believes, which runs the entire thing. They believe that there should be equal access for genders and sexes in sport. Uh, you know, intelligence, intelligence ability should not matter with regards to it. So merit is kind of out the window based upon that. You know what I mean? Like you get really, it's like, well, <laughs> what's going to end up happening? I hope you guys are putting together what's going to end up happening is you're going to have the cream rise to the top in physical ability and you're going to end up having the sport exactly where it is today, mm-hmm. which is a shit ton of uh, young white you know, Canadians or, or people from Minnesota <laughs> and some thing. Europeans. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like just, you're gonna, you're just going to end up have that happening. Yeah. And I, you can't, it, you can't point it and be like, see, see, like it's not equal. What, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, We're forgetting I, it's I, entertainment. I asked the question. I mean, just, just looking at, you know, what I do or thinking about what I do know about, about Canada and the climate there and, and uh, what Canadians in terms of like, uh, let's call it sport because hockey is a sport, right? Uh, in terms of what's important for Canadians and Canadian kids, right? Like I, hockey is something that, I mean, you could speak better than, than I can on this, James, but hockey is just something that a bunch of kids just did. Most kids just did. Some of them were really good at it. Some of them weren't good at it, but it got them out of their house, their houses from November to, I don't know, May, <laughs> June when it stopped <laughs> yeah. snowing there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it, I'm, j- I'm just thinking like, are are like wh- where does that sit now like is 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 hockey now this thing that's like we stay away from it is that like the is that the thought in Canada now where it's like hockey's actually this bad thing that we need to avoid because of the things that you're talking about or mm. you, or is it just like another thing yeah i don't think so <clears throat> i think it's just uh drummed up because of the connection to entertainment and media and like what's popular and what is like if it you know if it bleeds it leads like this this it's is the, the same it's thing like here too. you can't go to a Suns game without oh, being hit with oh gosh whatever. yeah yeah I just that's know. why I want to just like stay center on hockey because yeah, you yeah. could go outside yeah. of it but I wanted to make it specific to the tie-in of Canada yeah. right and that's what I'm saying the people in the stands and the skaters on the ice and those those men skaters on the ice um, that is the soul of Canada right there because that's what basically what I'm trying to say that's what I love about Canada. It's the ethic, it's the hard work, it's the uh, meritocracy, it's um, camaraderie, it's um, nostalgia and history. Like you, you t- all those things are inside the sport and it's so wonderful that it's just disgusting to see these other things just pop up and, and come around it. So, how, how would you feel uh, or how does your brother feel uh, seeing commercials like that? Does that um, 
would that deter you from wanting to put your children in hockey or does that play no yeah role no not at like all but it's it's somewhat it's somewhat similar to the conversation we had about my girls on on uh, instagram or my girls playing sports right yeah. so i think if you have a parent who has the conversations you know um which i think like my brother would um by saying like do you see this commercial what's with that yeah like who is that real what do you what, do you think that's real mm-hmm. you know they're like, I don't know. What? Geez, yeah. Why would they say that? I don't see this thing, these things, promulgating in our sport. So I would not deter them from doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's probably based upon the same thing. If you have a conscious parent who wants to have those discussions, yeah. Yeah. But I'd be interested to see the future, see if this makes any dent on it whatsoever. Because um, to use the, you know, uh, you know centering term of uh, if you go woke, you're going to go broke. You know, I don't think hockey's immune to that whatsoever you know football thought it was immune to it and they saw Knox. nba thought it was immune to it mm-hmm. they saw some not so i mean i don't know you may get some uh may get some kickbacks or hits back from it uh i i just want to read from first of all post journalism i don't know why i'm i'm because i think you're the only connector to the revolt of the public with martin gurry mm-hmm. uh, you kind of nod your head when i said it, and i keep going back to, i don't know if you've read it have you read it? Uh, Martin Gurry's book? Years and years and years okay. ago. Okay. So this is like an unbelievable addendum to that, which explains, it explains so much, really. It, and it, it's, um, it's it's deep. So that hopefully this will be the tie-in from what um, Andre wrote in here. Um, and of course, I love this because it talks about the loss of the physical connection and how the digital world has created fantasy, basically, what I call fantasy media and not reality. The physical world would verify truth by methods related to sensorial experience, the most reliable of which is death. Remember this conversation we had, right, of that, like, truth hit that one cannot cheat death so far. So people need to respect physical ways of truth verification. That rings true for what we believe in, what we talk about all the time, right? The pull-up is the truth. The iron never lies, right? Challenging yourself physically tells you so much about yourself. Among them, the scientific laws of regularity appeared. First, physical, then logical, which were able to postulate truth without a constant need to hit one's forehead against solid objects in order to verify their solidness. Post-truth is truth in the digital environment, where the physical risks of wrong interactions do not exist. If the physical reality is made of objects, the digital reality is made of subjects, of others. The sensorial feedback of wrongdoing, the pain of hitting against objects, has turned into the pain of hitting against subjects, against others. People are training to resettle into the digitally induced environment, where the spatial dimension is replaced by the temporal dimension. Instead of physical risks, social risks become absolutized. Digital is pure social. In the digital world, death is ostracism and cancellation. Cancel culture is apologetics, and the practicing of a tribe's death penalty, similar to execution by stoning, where legitimacy is maintained by the collectivity of others. The numbers matter. This new regulator of wrongdoing is replacing the old criteria of truth. Instead of the complying with the laws of the physical universe, one now needs to comply with the values of the social multiverse, or the part of it to which a person wants to or needs to belong. In the physical reality, the concept of irrefutable truth, ultimately verified by death, 
ended up being written in the book, capital B book, the Torah, the Bhagavad Gita, the Bible, the Quran, and some others. The irrefutability of physical principles naturally maintained by the sensorium and the fear of pain and death evolved into the same unquestioned set of moral rules and then scientific laws. The irrefutability is what is, was truth. I'm almost done. The idea of unified supreme knowledge considered to be a source of truth and later also of hegemony and oppression naturally dissolves as humans resettle into the digital environment. I have a finishing sentence come up. I want you to listen to it. There is no highest universal truth anchored in irrefutable laws anymore. In the participatory environment, the sole center of absolute power is replaced by the distributed authority. The cloud has swallowed the pyramid. What's your main takeaway from that for the, for the listener? Just that part there. Uh, things we speak about for um, staying connected to physical truths. Um, and just stay the fuck as far away as you can from the cesspool that is getting locked inside of digital media thinking it's reality. Mm -hmm. That's would be my takeaway. Yeah, I'm sympathetic to the idea that, um, well, first of all, I do believe in the idea of universal truth. There are some things that are true and some things that are not, but I am sympathetic to the way history and stories have been told over the years where we do get more of one perspective and less of others. And I see value in having multiple perspectives and the telling of history, the telling of politics coming from more than just one certain group of people. But that to me doesn't remove the idea that there is still a truth we can anchor to. Mm -hmm. And yep. I hate that people can't live with those competing ideas. Yeah, yeah. The, the physical, yeah, in this, the physical truths and the, you know, what people, it's just the mesh that people are taking, especially that second paragraph of the, what used to be stoning. A stone used to involve a stone and a rock, right? Um, and you would never, it's, it's, I wrote down there in my notes, like, it's the old saying we would say, um, would you say that to their face? You know, that, that, ha that speaks of the entire, because there's a truth in that, right? Like the truth we talk about finally of like saying something to someone who's nearby to you and then getting punched in the face because of what you said to them, right? Although that sounds kind of weird and violent, you won't make that same mistake again. So you learn over time to respect what's coming up in your mind and how you're going to communicate that. And that's what I mean by the physical differences in truth. And in the digital world, we throw stones all the time constantly and now unfortunately the stone throwing which is a separate aspect of the book the stone throwing is what gets readers yeah you know yeah. it's tribal stone throwing basically yeah the difference between those two ideas is in my head it's more the uh i don't even call it the filter but it's uh the, the thinking before you say um you know what i mean it's like how far removed are we from that concept or idea because you say that james and it's like think about what you say or you might get punched in the face um People are saying a lot of things digitally now, right? Um, and let's even take social media out of it. They're saying it through text messaging. They're mm -hmm. saying it through emails. Yep. They're not saying it like face-to-face -face in a room with someone. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the, the, the concept or the idea uh, around like, you know, I really have to think about what I'm going to say out of my mouth because there might be a, and just because we're talking about it, a physical consequence, right, mm -hmm. um, for a 15 or 16-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. um, how far away are we from that though? Like the, 
that that concept of like what well, well, would you say it to their face i don't actually think that's a thing anymore like i don't think that's a that's an idea anymore i think that we maybe used to say that mm-hmm. because you know we got this thing put in front of us and we were like challenging each other like hey be careful what you say there remember how we used to say it but now for a 15 or 16 year old they never really had to say it to someone's face right so um the concept and in, in your thinking around that um, I can appreciate it, but I don't think I don't think everyone can appreciate that idea of mm-hmm. like that that old adage of would you say it to their face? Yeah, no, I agree. It's um, we're just so deep into it, I guess, right? Yeah, you you <clears throat> indirectly asked a question there, and um, yeah, that that was the point I was making is that there used to be these old adages, right? But again, the the new world is the digital landscape. That's the that's the point where you know generations now, especially two generations, are are born to communicate through that process, right? So if your communicative process in 1982, when I was eight, was like, hey, you go play with Johnny, and then you said something stupid, and Johnny pushed you because you made fun of them, you're like, what, you know, I guess I don't say those stupid things, and then your mom reminds you of that, and like, this is how we, this is what happens, right? Mm-hmm. If you keep doing it, you're just off on your own, right? So, but, so we want to play with people, and so that we don't do those things, yeah. right? So that's where, which ties into your point on truths of like the social aspects of truth. Uh, but yeah, I'm saying the same thing really. That yeah. it's not it's not going to happen anymore. So we just got to like figure out. Yeah, what's the answer? To, what's the answer though, right? Because this stuff isn't. I mean, we can poo-poo on it all day. It's not going anywhere, yeah. right? It's like, you know, the the social media networks and the the communication styles. Yeah. It's like it. I don't, I don't want to say like, oh, let's give up. It is what it is. Let's find the best way to live within it. But mm-hmm. we, we do have to do that, right? It's like, you know, I know you speak to your, your girls around that. Like, how do you communicate? Because your girls are in media, right? It's mm-hmm. like, how do you communicate through that if that is your medium, right? Yeah. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth because I don't know those no. conversations that you have. But we, we have to learn how to work <laughs> in, the, in, in the world. There's trade-offs. Yeah. yeah, there's no, so there's no answer. But there's trade-offs, and the trade-off that I would have would be, to use my girls as an example, uh, they're going to get access to it, and they're going to be able to do what they want mm-hmm. uh, on it and in it and around it, and it's part of their communication process. But uh, on that uh, same token, what comes with it is a, is an, is a um, like an app. It's called the Dad app <laughs> that comes with it. Uh, no, it's not a, like a surveillance app, but it's a, it's an education oh, app. Oh, this is a real thing. I thought this was been you. Like, no, it's not a real thing. Yeah. Okay. This oh, is just yeah. him. Okay. No, this is me. It's called the Dad app. I was like, wow, it's called the awesome. James <laughs> app. <laughs> Soon to be coming. Um, you know, which is conversation and education on things, right? Like uh, just sitting down. I sat down with Chloe the other day. Uh, she wasn't feeling the best, so she was watching these TV shows, and this girl was doing something. It was like YouTube clips or whatever, and I just sit with her. You know, I'm like, well, that's interesting. You know, what what's happening there, and. And Chloe's now at the point, but I just do check-ins like that. That's the that's giving the idea of the dad app, right? It's like, you know, do you know what she's doing there and what she's trying to sell and what's happening? And and then we just talk also about how I'm connected to that part, right? Like, you know, I start asking questions, you know, does she have videos on her physical activity? She's like, oh, yeah, dad, they were doing these things. And she was showing them, you know, running around the track and whatever. And I was like, okay, you know, so see, I'm I'm connecting some of the things there. So... There's there's the trade-offs. The trade-off yeah. is like it's going to happen, uh, but uh, we gotta we gotta keep the idea on for that generation to be having conversation around what's in front of them. I think the book, uh, a seminal book that really helped me that you guys may not even know was inside of CCP, but but um, Robert Cialdini's book on the science, the influence and the science mm-hmm. and practice of it. Yeah. That that is that was a 
like phenomenal book of that because when coaches understood how they were influenced they clicked yeah. like they're like oh you're pulling that one on me i see what's happening here now of course we used it to help them influence clients right like talk about these things you know talk about scarcity talk about reciprocity etc um yeah so yeah. yeah i think it always comes back to like starting with with yourself first i mean we talked about that a lot in one of our first episodes but your girls obviously know who they are they know their values um they they know that they're not just like what they're consuming there's that filter but also what they're what they're giving to the world there's that is a filter as well they are not uh they don't they don't they're not, they're not lacking the noticing that there is a person on the other end of that mm-hmm. screen that yeah. is being impacted by what is said or shared or exchanged yeah for sure for sure yeah um yeah that's a good point i'm just trying to think about my practices in that that i probably could upgrade my game based upon that too of like the connection to the I think that's in there. Yeah, the the empathetic aspect of like, because oh, I've dis- I remember discussing it before of, you know, uh, one girl describing she had you know something tough happen, and uh, it was Chloe who you know I was like, well, you you must feel that for her, or so that must be really difficult, right? And she was like, yeah, she had this happen and whatever it was really sad, and so you could she she could see more than just like oh she's just trying to sell me something on the back end. She's trying to connect to you know the person's story, anyways. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. Uh, that was a <laughs> that was a good one. A flow yeah, flow a long, through. It was a long. Is that one. good? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Lots yeah. in there. Yeah, we Lots. enjoyed it. All right, thanks. Super. So that's my. That's what I was. I, that's what I've been looking at. That's what you've been up to. That's, that's what, what I've been, been up to. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what's on your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see how James brought it all the way back to what I said originally. What are you looking at, James? He told me not to say it, but he just said that's what I've been looking at. So, um, who's next? You guys want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Shall I go? Okay, change of of pace. Um, I am pulling in a recent study that came out uh, with the title, Weight Loss Strategies, Weight Change, and Type 2 Diabetes in U.S. Health Professionals, a Cohort Study. So there was, I'll I'll link it. So if you guys want to read it, you absolutely can. Uh, I'm not going to dig into like all the details and stats inside of it uh, because there was a lot. Uh, But basically what this was looking at was, It was a 1988 to 2017 analysis that was using data collected by a series of studies that were done uh, on U.S. health professionals, Um, included things like weight loss strategy reports, lifestyle and medical information and food questionnaires. So nurses, doctors, a lot of people submitting this information that was collected over the years. Uh, The population was somewhere in the range of 27, 24 to 78 years old. They were predominantly female. Uh, so I think like in, it was about 15% male, uh, 85% female. In 1988, when uh, this research began, uh, these populations were free of type 2 diabetes, of cardiovascular disease, and they didn't have cancer as the baseline. And what the study looked at was um, over the 1988 to 1992 period, so the initial four years, was there an active attempt to lose weight? And basically they split them out into three groups, people that didn't attempt to lose weight, people who did attempt to lose weight and lost over 4.5 kilos, and then people who lost uh, less than 4.5 kilos in that four-year period. And then following on from that four-year period, they looked at their health information over the you know two decades following. The thing I found really interesting uh, that really came out of this study for me, so of the weight loss strategies that were used to lose weight in this initial four-year period, there were seven of them that they categorized people into. So the first one was a low-calorie diet. Second one was exercise. Third one was low-calorie diet and exercise. 
Fourth was fasting. Fifth was some kind of commercial weight loss program. Sixth was a weight loss pill. And then seven was a combination of two or more of fasting, a commercial weight loss program and a weight loss pill. So these were the seven most common things that were used. Now, conclusions, and again, there was a ton <laughs> that came out of this, uh, this analysis, but irrespective of what weight loss strategy was used for individuals that were obese when this study began, the risk of diabetes was reduced. It was a 21% reduction for those that engaged in exercise to lose weight in that initial four-year period. It was a 13% reduction for diet pills, just to give like a little example of what the range was. But overall, risk of type 2 diabetes went down if there was concerted weight loss in this four-year period, regardless of whether they kept that weight off in the long term. So I found that really interesting. For people who were overweight, uh, there was a reduction in nine, uh, a 9% reduction in type 2 diabetes from exercise, but there was an increased risk of 42% if they used diet pills. And then lastly, uh, really interesting was they looked at the lean individuals. So people who actually like sat in a healthy BMI at the beginning of the study, over 50% of those people that they identified as having a healthy BMI still tried to lose weight, 50% uh, of them in that like four year period. And they found that uh, for those lean individuals who deliberately tried to lose weight, there was an increased risk of type 2 diabetes, ranging from a 9% increase if they used exercise up to a 54% increase if they used pills or um, some kind of other strategy. So uh, really reflecting there, um, and again, I know I just like threw a lot at you guys, but of all the weight loss strategies, the thing that the authors really hammered home in their conclusions was how exercise was associated with the least weight gain over the following period and the lowest type 2 diabetes risk among any individuals with obesity. And we have conversations around like what weight loss looks like, what good strategies for weight loss are and aren't. Exercise is obviously a factor um, that goes into someone's ability to lose weight over time, maintain a healthy you know, body weight, body fat percentage. Uh, and really what this research emphasized for me and the reason that I'm bringing it today is that the role of exercise is important in long-term uh, weight control and prevention. You often hear this notion that like abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym and exercise is a poor strategy to lose weight. And Yes, I agree in the short term, exercise is a bad strategy to lose weight. It's it's hard, right? Like you you got to be working really hard to get in a caloric deficit from exercise alone and nutrition interventions are important as well. But if we're thinking about behaviorally in the long term, it's more sustainable. Uh, and this is what the, what the research has kind of highlighted as uh, why they think this was the case for, for exercise. It's more sustainable. It mitigates some of the mechanisms uh, that come with losing weight initially, like, you know, increasing ghrelin uh, and the decrease in leptin and the decrease in energy expenditure that, that can come from losing weight. That stuff gets mitigated. And then there's the, you know, managing stress and things that go along with having exercise as part of your lifestyle. I found this really important um, because I was having a conversation with a family member <laughs> over Thanksgiving and uh, he shared with, uh, with Jacob and I that his approach to um, maintaining a healthy body weight, a healthy body composition was just to manipulate his diet so that he doesn't have to move, i.e. I'm going to eat less, uh, I'm going to calorically restrict so that I don't have to move. 
And I think that's so faulty for a lot of reasons. Uh, number one, it doesn't work in the long term. Number two, there's a ton of other benefits that come out of movement uh, in the long term, like a decrease in uh, the, the risk of type 2 diabetes that this study pulled out. So yeah, tons inside of that. But I did just want to bring that one to share. What do you guys think is the, um, I have a few questions here, but number one, <clears throat> what do you guys think is the most impactful thing on our long-term health and longevity uh, between nutrition and exercise? Like if we had to choose one, okay? If we had to choose one and we had What's to- What's on the list of choices? We had to optimize, uh, we had to optimize eating, a, eating a solid diet, right? Where you're not over consuming, you're not drastically under consuming, quality is really high, you're getting plenty of fiber in, you're, you're eating balanced uh, versus that goes to crap and you exercise. Like you have exercise and you can exercise as much as you want. You're exercising seven, eight, nine, fifteen hours a week. If you could only do one of those things, or if someone so a it's just two of, options. Yep, just two options. A cohort of people could only do one or one of two of those things. What would have the? What do you think would have the most positive impact on their health and longevity over the next forty years? My gut says exercise. What do you guys think? I would have lent lent towards nutrition. What do you think, James? Um, if I'm forced to, uh, I would say food. Yeah, fueling. Yeah. Um, and I say I premise it by saying if I'm forced to. Yeah. Because otherwise, know. it's I know. a it's, it's tough, right? Yeah. Otherwise, I think it's a. It, I just don't like the question. Yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, hey, we're playing part of the game, right? I I feel philosophically think about this one all the time, right? I put mm -hmm. down, you know, food or move. You know, it's like it's like, and it just drums up all these ideas of, you know. What would you choose if you could, et cetera? And then that what that has led me to understand this larger approach of not segmenting these things, but regu regu recognizing that humans are quite complex yeah. and developmental and adaptive and et cetera. And that, that, you know, changes up thing. We, you know, the third arm I would have liked you to add on there is, uh, well, hold is on, let thought. me, let me, let me, okay, go, go You ahead, see, go so, ahead. cause then that, that picks all our three pillars, right? Mm -hmm. Move, fuel and thinking, mm -hmm. right? So I think if you were to put those three all back to back, I'm going 100% in thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Cognitive strategies, uh, strengthening mental resilience, um, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. I think that, that would be the, if I was to, you know, if you had to pin me down, let me add a layer. One. Let me add a layer. Okay, let's say that no matter which strategy you choose, you're still walking, I don't know, four miles every single day. No matter which strategy. Would you choose food or would you choose exercise? Food for sure. Yeah. I mean that yeah, that's that's where my head was, right? And I'm not saying like you can't move your body. You either eat well, uh you uh, you either eat well or you stay stagnant mm -hmm. or you know, vice versa. Yeah. I was more thinking like I, how, what people would think exercise is because if I were to say, um, yeah, just get out and walk a couple of miles a day to the general population, the general population wouldn't think like, oh man, I'm getting after it. I'm exercising every single day. I'm on this routine. They wouldn't think that they're just like, I'm going for walks. Like, what is this really going to do? Right. So, um, let's assume that people are going to move their bodies. Right. So if that is the case, I think 100% of people are going to choose food. Right. And not, you would think, yeah, well, I, I I would think that 100% of people should choose food. So I do think that nutrition is more important than exercise when it comes to um, just living a long and, and healthier life. If you had a gun to your head and you had to choose one, assuming that the person is like doing normal daily activity, 
uh, walking to the mailbox, doing this, doing that. Um, so that's interesting. But the seven things that you laid out, Georgia, I went to um, I went to exercise um, on those seven things because I just wrote down like uh, passive versus active intervention, right? Like someone taking a diet pill, I would I would I would uh, I would say that that is a passive intervention. They don't actually have to do anything. No, do like you know what the diet pills were? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, like no no habits were being built out of that. So yeah. when you said exercise, I was like, that that definitely is the one that's going to have the biggest impact because the person is like Great. bought in, they're thinking about it, they're building habits, they're doing something, right? Like there's something that they're doing, even caloric deficit, right? Like that's passive as well. Like you have to have will, right? But someone's just like, I'm just not going to eat that much. I'm not, and then they'll break that will eventually at some point. So um, passive versus active intervention. And then the idea of like action leads to changes occurring, uh, like actual action leads to changes occurring. And I think that was the only one out of the seven that that really popped up in my head was the exercise piece. Yeah. The low calorie diet, right? Like you can just drink a shake and eat a protein bar and you're in a low calorie diet. There's yeah. no nuance to that. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy to calorically restrict without yeah. being mindful around it. Yeah. But is that is that the case though? Was that the only thing that was like there yeah. was some oh, onus yeah. put on someone where it's like okay, I gotta like actually work for and sure. do some things. I mean, here. fasting, right? Like you have to make the decision to eat or not eat yeah. in a window. But again, yeah, um, I think exercise is much more active. Yeah. So yeah, that that's what stuck out to me uh, was that idea of them having to actually do something, and the other ones were just like faulty hacks that they were trying to do to lose weight over yeah. a short period of time. The diet pill one, you know, because if, if it was like rapamycin or there's a number of these that are being, they're, they're kind of like, you know, how do I say this carefully? They're, they're used by people as a, as a showboat idea today to talk about, oh, this is what's happening with the weight loss industry. Um, or they're being used with individuals who are in real severe complications metabolically. Um, and they actually are effective, quite mm -hmm. effective. So that's why I wanted to know, was it like a ECA stack, ephedrine, caffeine, aspirin stack, or the newest Mahuang or newest whatever. I'm giving my 1980s verbiage of whatever the pill was. <laughs> um, there's probably just different versions of that today, amino acid combinations or whatever. But because um, that, if you if you dig into that one, um, it does make sense. Because I think what you mentioned there, the diet pills or the people who took the diet pills, had some reverses happen, right? Yes. And that does make sense if they're what you would call the shitty over-the-counter diet pills because uh, they just have known for a long period of time they mess up people's metabolic system. Um, they drive you up at certain times you're not supposed to be driving up and et cetera. And so you got to come down. And the only way to come down is to completely just burn out the entire system. And you burn out, it's not just the thyroid, but the whole complex, the whole thing just gets smashed. So it does make sense where people are trying to eat 1,000 calories a day and they're putting on weight like banshees. Then they start over-exercising and et cetera. And yeah, so I'm, I just wanted to know what diet pills was. I needed more of that. Uh, the book Burn uh, would disagree with that notion of the context of... Uh, uh, of what, because uh, it's not your words, but what came from there and the benefits of exercise. Yeah. yeah, they he gives a pretty strong recommendation, but it does make sense because he's looking at the metabolic adaptations that happen in people in a, let's call it a primal living, primal society, right? So, you know, they got to go real far distances and they adapt to that in order to catch their food and they down all this honey and, you know, and basically from what he just looked at, you know, as a human adapts to that environment over time, exercise has a very, very small part to play in, quote unquote, your metabolic rate. Um, 
because we're just adaptive. This is what we do, right? Um, I think the middle ground in there, which I, I don't want to put words in your mouth or say that we agree with that, but that's why the concept of physical challenges and like ver- there's variety inside of physical challenges, right? We This is where the lab doesn't look like life, right? Like the lab is like, oh, this many times and this and that. But life is not like that and how we want people to express physically in life, right? We want them to go long and lift this and go here and da-da. And your metabolic system is like, what the fuck? Like I can't adapt to that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm you also- You just described P90X. <laughs> <laughs> Let's sell that. <laughs> Let's come up with a program. Um, I am always happy that uh, not just you, but you all bring uh, scientific stuff to this conversation. Um, I can't bring myself to do it. I've been looking for 10 years on um, anything really that's helpful to the vitality model. And it disgusts me, actually. Everything inside of science for fitness today is garbage, in my opinion. Um, it's not leading anywhere. It's just a rehabilitative paradigm to make money for a big farmer or some other people or to say, hey, we're looking at this, and they don't really get after anything. Um, that's my opinion, but I like bringing it to it because it still makes me recognize there's possibly some ways of seeing uh, something positive inside of looking at the research, you know, because um, in my premise of this category is that I don't even think losing weight is important. I think how one got to being overweight is what's most important, meaning like intentions, you know, um, how do you try to reduce, reduce this down to one thing causing weight loss? Why aren't we just asking the question how these people get overweight in the first case, you know, and then, um, yeah, so I appreciate you bringing it and allowing me to kind of muddle with my, my, uh, confirmations on uh on trying to get anything out of there so thanks absolutely yeah yeah the like final you know conclusion and recommendations are were just that our data support current guidelines for body weight management such as that issued by the obesity society which recommends a weight loss of five to ten percent of baseline weight for individuals who are overweight or obese an exercise of 200 to 300 minutes per week to maintain the weight loss i don't think we disagree with anything said in that statement but it's not making a difference yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, for sure. I, I, I thought you were going to uh, make that or come at the point that I had there of it's just that people are scared shitless too. We got to forget it. People are scared shitless to say exercise doesn't matter, right? Real People are really scared to say that. Um, the public is scared to say that, right? Oh, don't, you know, especially the fitness industry, right? People are like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't tell people that exercise is not that important. Um, and it's just, it's a truth. It's It's a complex thing inside of there. Um, and, um, I just wanted to make mention of that, that, uh, we're, people are generally like hush, hush, like, don't be, don't be afraid to say that because, you know, people are like, oh my God, we're going to have everyone being overweight. It's like, no, why don't we just have a conversation on how they got to that place? And then we can discuss some remedies for it. I never actually, anyways, it swings us around to just moving because you can, and because it's for you, that's it. Like who cares if you lose weight with it, it doesn't really matter. But if you move all the time and eat real food, shit just generally works out. I never brought that question back full circle when I said the most impactful thing. It came because you uh, you gave that last story of you talking to your family member and the strategies around just eating better or less, whatever that language was, instead of exercising. Um, that's why I asked that question because I do think there's something there, right, where it's just like, you know, what is, I have no idea what that, how that conversation ended, but um, what if the conversation would have went like, yeah, that is a strategy, but what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing in your day-to-day, right? Like, are you moving? Are you walking? It's like, I get it. You don't want to go to the gym and lift weights. That's okay. But there's other things that you should be doing. You should still be moving your body. And maybe I consider that exercise, but maybe you're considering exercise something else. 
where it's like that could still be a solid strategy. Mm-hmm. Like if that if that guy wanted to go and and, and hike a few miles every day. <laughs> I'm shaking like my head. No, not. that comment was literally uh, in response to not wanting to walk. Oh, um, just like sitting down. Like exactly. I want to sit on my ass as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, I just think. But, but then that brings up the conversation. I don't know if you were getting at this, but it's like why is uh being leaner or having just carrying less weight like why is that the why is that the idea or the intention is it just aesthetics is it because the person thinks that it's healthier because i know a lot of very unhealthy people that aren't carrying a lot of body fat on their bodies right for sure um just like i don't know just just having the conversation on like because if it if if the intentions were um if i'm if i if i weigh less i'm healthier um, there can be some education, uh, around that as well, where it's like, actually, no, it's extremely unhealthy to be stagnant and to not move blood on a daily basis. And just to sit there and watch TV and play video games and keep the weight off by not eating. It's like, that's, that's actually putting you in a worse place than you otherwise would have been if you were carrying a little bit more body fat, but still moved your body on a daily basis, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's an argument to that point. <clears throat> Uh, that I am assume, assuming comes from that audience or from that side. And that comes back to the tenet of the big philosophical thing that around movement and food and what's better is that, again, it comes down to belief. There's, there's, it has to come down to intentions. Everyone in this room, as well as everyone listening, has to recognize we don't need to move. We don't need to move. Like what I mean by that is that deep inside of all of us as humans, we know the gig is up. We do not need to. We don't need to. So with that comment, that it runs deep. It runs deep and not just that person, but a lot of people. Because your argument logically to that person makes absolutely no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. Uh, I know your intentions, and that, that's why it makes sense to me. But to that person, there's no logic behind your point of like, well, just don't move. You don't have to eat as much, et cetera. You could, well, this person has a really distorted view version of what health is. Right. So now we're into the cognitive, psychological, you know, uh, emotive area. And that's my point is that that's the only way that that person gets transformed mm-hmm. and shifted. Right. Because it's not seeing a loved one die. It's not. It's not seeing the president mumble around at this age. You know, it's, you know, these things, people see all these things like, oh, that's healthy. Want to learn more about the Live a Larger Life show? Visit com to learn more about our mission Meet our hosts, browse past episodes, and more. That's the that's the thing. You got to believe in physical expression because it's for you and because you're capable of doing it. You know. And who was this person? I feel like I shouldn't say. Okay, sorry. Uh, someone <laughs> in the family member or in the area. Um, someone in the vicinity. They're not um, listening, but just okay. In case. Yeah, someone in the vicinity. Uh, yeah, it takes a conversation. It does. It's like it's a long, drawn-out conversation of uh, things like where did you – and I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I think it's important for those listening in, like how do you rehab someone from this, is uh, you got to go back to their formative years of how this ex- physical expression was modeled and how this was like embedded in their system, right? All of those things that you started off with and – and et cetera. And that takes a bit, that takes a bit of work. It takes a long conversation because the whole time, you know, if you're not talking to them, you know what they're looking at, they're looking at what their reality is of what their definition of health is. And to a lot of people, that's really distorted today. It's basically just standing, as I say, it's just standing up at 85. That's what they, that's what they consider 
health. Or it's what's on TV. It's the football game that's playing while this conversation is yeah, going on. Yeah, but that'll be that, that'll still quote unquote connect them to like being upright at 85. Oh, I can still do those practices because healthy is 85, just standing up, right? Because they know medicine will come in or they can just decrease their foods and just not move as much, et cetera. You know, so anyways. Well, let's uh, let's not talk about it. Let's be about it. How about we don't have to identify Ooh. who this person is. Is that How your saying? We, uh, what's that? I'll take credit for it, but I, that's, that, good, that's definitely yeah. not mine. That's good. Um, you go V-neck with the gold chain and that <laughs> that statement. Let's be why don't, about why don't it. We, why don't we take this individual as a case study and you work with this person to get them to understand the things that we're saying. And you report back and you let us know how it's going. It, we've tried, but um, no, we'll yes. continue. No, seriously. We'll I mean, because we're, we're talking about Let's it, right? Let's do an intervention. Oh, oh, we need an intervention. Yeah. Video A James intervention. intervention. That's not going to go over well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, li- it, I like if, the idea. No, but really, and I'm not. I know, I know, George. I kind of know. I think those. I know who this is. But, yeah. um, you know, if we can't make impact with the ones that are closest to us, how can we expect other people that are listening to make impact? Totally. Yeah. You know. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we've discussed this before of like working as close to you as possible, and I like that too. It's the old thing around you know um, training your loved one. You know, when you can overcome those hurdles. That's when you know that you're making some real impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you jump over all these like emotional hurdles, right? Yeah. Like this person may mean a lot to Georgia and the connection there may be like family, love, you know, security, all these things that that's hard to jump over when, yeah. it, when she's like, oh, I'll tell you about health. They don't see that. Right. Yeah. They just see Georgia, love, security, family, et cetera. Yeah. You know, so. Don't want to be challenged. Yeah. 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 Oh, I mean, but good challenge. And a, a lot of the time, too, it's like a lack of, I don't call it like lack of trust, but like people know us as, like people in our personal lives know us. Let's say we grew up with someone our entire lives, right? And, you know, you've been off on this other venture, um, uh, you know, in your, you know, 20 year, 20 year old plus, and this person just knows you from like, you know, grade school to 18 years old. That's, that's who they know you of as, mm-hmm. right? So like, they don't really respect the knowledge that you have and the experiences that you've, that you've grown through and the people that you've helped and all that stuff. They just look at you as like, I'm just going to use you as an example. There's like, Oh, that's Georgia. Uh, that's, uh, that's Jacob's wife, you know, um, yeah. not really looking at, you know, the, the knowledge that you have and all that. So I think sometimes the people that are closest to us, it's hard to break down that barrier of just like, yeah, I'm not just like the the person that you used to know when I was 15 years old, right? Like I'm a totally different person uh, today than I was then. It's just easy for you, Georgia. Easy for it's me? It's just easy for you. That's I hear that a lot, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was a statement that was made over the weekend. Yeah. But it's not easy. It's just years and years and years of uh, good behaviors and decisions. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. makes it easy. Yes. <laughs> Eventually. Easy. Yeah. Eventually it becomes easy. easy. And again, to tie it back all in, uh, fitness <laughs> is to blame for that. Mm. Yeah. Fitness is to blame for that. We sucked the teats of the internet and the information age and social media. We went ham on that uh, for multiple different reasons. Whoa, look at me. I got to get clients. This is the only way to do it. This is the digital world. This is what we live in. We create. We created all that, that, that shitty perception of us out there as the, the purest Quaker tree-hugging, you know, healthy the healthy person. Oh, you you don't know how tough it is, right? Yeah. This is this is you know, it's like, uh, actually, I deserve that. That's where I'm at now. I'm like, I totally deserve that, right? Because I was a part of the manufacturing of everyone's perception of us being like that. Yeah. It still doesn't stop us at 
having those tough conversations or trying to make a dent, but we got to know what we've created. Yeah. We've created a monster. Well, let us know what you need on that. I, w- I will do. I'm my call for backup. I'm serious. Um, Candace. The intervention thing I thought was pretty cool. (laughs) I was was ready. I would take a flight. I'd pay for that flight. (laughs) Should we do like like the the person that walks in on loudspeaker? Can you imagine? (laughs) Everyone's (laughs) sitting around the room. He's like, why am I I here? I was like, (laughs) like, uh, knock, knock, knock. (laughs) He's like, who's at our door? He's like, George. Oh, that's James. George is like, oh, that's James. Wonder why he's here. And then I, I I just start why. Your family... Your family really wants, uh, <laughs> your family feels that you need You'd some. What's the, what's the language that they use in intervention? Your it's family the first really, line. They, they really care about you. Yeah, your they family. Don't see you do- they don't want to see you go down this path. Mm-hmm. I know this is challenging. You're upset with them Carl's right now. Carl's done this before. Oh, I just couldn't recap it, but I've seen this a thousand times. Yeah. Not a thousand, maybe 50 episodes, yeah, but yeah. it's the same mm-hmm. comment. Yeah. I would say that as soon as I walked in. Love it. And just facing, his, his looking first, at that person. His first response is like, Georgia, I was just kidding. I exercise every day and I eat really well. <laughs> James is like, damn, but I flew all the way here for that. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, Candace, what are you looking at? Oh, okay. I'm going to start. I'm gonna, I'll start with something that, well, it's not really light because this one kind of grossed me out. And maybe it'll gross you guys out or you'll think it's fine. Um, <laughs> try. The FDA just approved the uh, or lab-grown chicken for the first time, greenlining uh, products from a company called Upside's Fo- Upside Foods for Human Consumption. Um, if this gets USDA approval, the company says it's going to begin pumping out 50,000 pounds of no, what they call no-kill meat every year. Mm. Um, they Obviously, there's a bunch of marketing hype around no-kill meat, uh, saying that it's more environmentally friendly, uh, produces uh, less uh, CO2, and takes up less real estate, blah, 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 blah. Um, biggest investors in this brand, Bill Gates and meat titan Tyson. Uh, there was also some conversation that really freaked me out about this taking longer to be approved for like grocery store, d- store dissemination, but being much easier to surpass approvals for distribution through restaurant. Hmm. So then I'm like, do they have to reveal that this is lab grown meat? Well, they call it no kill meat because that sounds friendlier, right? But it's lab grown uh, or cultivated meat, uh, which is biopsied from a fatty tissue or muscular tissue from a piece of chicken and then like lab grown. Um, yeah. And I was just really freaked out by this concept. I'm so I am also freaked out by it. Don't get me wrong. If you put it in front of me right now, I wouldn't eat it. But I'm also a big believer in technology as uh, solving future problems or problems right now. Uh, And I don't want to discount ideas that seem weird today, where they could actually be beneficial in the future. Um, How do you the like idea of like, growing cells and ensuring that those cells stop growing once you consume them. I can't quite wrap my head around that. That freaks me out. But commercial farming is disgusting. Like the state, when I really think about the meat that I'm eating when I go and buy chicken breast from from Costco, that grosses me out too. Uh, And I do, there there is a problem, right? The amount of methane that is, uh, you know, sent out from these big beef farms, uh, the environmental consequences of farming as it exists today, like that is a real issue that needs solving. I don't know if this is the way to solve it. I don't know if this is actually going to be better than uh, the way farming is right now or if it's going to be another beyond meat situation where the environmental consequences are just as bad uh, as well as the health consequences. So we need a a solution to farming as it exists today. Um, I'm hopeful that this could be it, uh, but it also gives me a lot of uh, uncertainty too. Yeah. Yeah. The method, the sacred cow uh, discloses and this guy, Frank, gosh, from UC Davis, he's on Twitter. 
uh, Frank, I'll get his name for us to check out, but uh, he quashes the methane meat uh, like totality and effect with regards to environmental issues. Still doesn't negate the fact of, uh, I think some of the some of the issues inside of there is the inhumane treatment of animals. I think for that's sure. always the underpinning of things. Um, and I think if we could come up with ways that are technologically wise that make it more humane, whatever that is, the definition of that, I'm sure that will never work, you know, for to like appease the audience of what is humane based upon that. But um, I think that uh, that's probably where you're probably going to mesh that like a technological advancement that creates a better version of high production, but more humane methods to still, you know, to get uh, real meat protein out to the people. Um, and sacred cow does a far better job than what I will do right now, just to kind of lengthen it out with regards to uh, like, you know, protein being a major fix for a lot of health issues like real meat. Um, but that's, that's beside the fact. Uh, is this like Beyond Meat? The company is called Upside Foods. No, but is it like, is oh. it just like made of like coconut and like no, no, chopped no, 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 chips? No, no, no. This They're is actually like growing. lab grown. They They're biopsy growing. from a fat tissue okay. or a muscle yeah. tissue okay. from an animal, from a chicken, and then oh. lab grow the rest of the meat. And they yeah, can manipulate the nutrients inside as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. The website wow. is very interesting. It's I like could see this ending up being like the um, GMO controversy for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it took like 30 years to recognize they're not really going to cause much of disruption disruption for humans and human consumption when you when you model that. I think with a a living thing though, I don't want to compare cucumbers to chickens, but you know, there's fruitarians. I'm, I'm just trying to think. Be, I mean, uh, I'm sure this is this has been argued and kind of thought most uh, recent thought round hard of about from Bill Gates and Tyson was 600 million. I mean, Tyson's thinking about the future, right? Like, I, I oh, kind yeah, of understand no, it. I wrote it down as it's like tobacco owning vaping. Yeah. You know, it's it's the same play. They're we got to talk about that at some point. Yeah, we got to talk sure. about vaping. <laughs> for sure. We'll tie in the marijuana and the smoking and everything that's connected to that. But uh, that's that's fascinating. Oh, good move on them because they, they're seeing that well, what's they're the, going to eat themselves, what's the, ironically. Not the talking point problems because I think a lot of that is BS, but what is the true problem or problems that this is really, really trying to solve? I think, what it's, is the, it? I think it's the, I'll say, uh, I'm not saying what it is, them. but I think it's the it's the issue people have with the treatment of animals. I think that's the deepest, deepest and in, issue. And in the marketing for this, they don't even mention that. It's all uh, environmental causes co2 production agriculture and the only reason why that's mentioned sort of cut you off the only reason why that's mentioned today because that's that's like that's what's thing. important today yeah, like yeah, racism yeah. is gone so now climatism and alarmism and and environmentalism is the big is the big play that's the only reason like 12 years ago it, they would have tied in some other bullshit that was inside the news inside that today uh, that's my point of view anyways i don't, yeah, I don't think dug, i've got nothing I've to do with deep, it i've dug pretty deep into the climate stuff george i think you and i talked about this was it the climate stuff we talked about it last year where i was like yeah resources i think that was about a year ago and i've been like digging really deep into that and like reading a lot on both sides of it and as i sit here today i still don't actually understand what the true problem is and if that is like let's say that uh, methane is the true problem what does that mean for uh the earth that we live on a hundred years from now like no one has been able to answer the question so I, I guess that and maybe you guys know a little bit more than me on this but what is the what is the problem and if it is uh inhumane treatment of animals it's like okay i get how this could be yeah. how this could be a uh, uh an outlet for people that don't want to eat meat for that but i don't think that there's a large enough population um I don't think that's why they're actually doing it, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, the, um, the, they, like just came, they came up with it. 
So if, if for you to be grasping is because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's, it ties back to my starting point on, you know, the, it's, 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 it's generated as an issue to make money for a few people yes. based upon it. Yeah, yeah. And so I think deep down, no one, everyone's just afraid to like maybe say the real thing is like, yeah, you know what? We all agree that I guess we shouldn't be treating all these animals this way, which I, and I'm, I'm, I'm on neither side of that story. Uh, I actually, I know I'm definitely on the side of uh, protein and, uh, you know, humans relative to animals, sentient beings, the conversation of consciousness, et cetera, pain, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm definitely on the side of, uh, getting as much protein out there to humans as possible from real animal sources. I'm a, I'm a more fan of that, but I can, I can lend in here that it's got to do with, uh, I guess, I guess the treatment. question I'm asking is what is the problem that they're selling? Not the problem yeah. that they're trying to solve. The problem yeah. that they're it's selling whatever is, is, is whatever's in the news. That's well, the problem they're going to sell. Well, the, the, the problem that it is that that's talked about, um, in environmental circles is rising global temperatures and mm -hmm. the downstream consequences of that. And, there are, you know, every few years there's reports put out on what, you know, the trajectory looks like for the next 20 years. There are measurable changes in temperatures uh, like that have occurred. Climate change is something that is cyclical, though. Like, I, I believe that there are man-made consequences that are happening today. I also believe that there's stuff that uh, is larger than us as humans. Yeah. Um, so that conversation gets a little a little bit muddled sometimes. Um, but that is what these companies are going after and talking about. Yeah. When you say that, I'm like, well, <laughs> what was the reason of uh, us going into the ice age and eventually coming out of it? What was the what was the man-made reason behind that? But um, yeah, I just I just don't get it, I guess. I don't I don't understand it. I understand why you don't get it is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's because <laughs> we, you, you keep going back 10 years and you're going to get a different story as to why they're saying the same thing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. 10 years ago, it was the same conversation though. I 20, mean, 20? I was, maybe 20 years ago, it might 30? have been different, but like, gosh, yeah. all of the like, uh, the like s environmental revolution that really began with like the silent spring and everything that's followed from that, there has been a lot and lot, a lot of focus on changing temperatures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. But I think it's become, it's become the thing that people are supposed to talk about today. That's what I, why I think. That's my point of view. Yeah, is that that's the, you, it's supposed to be front end on everything, uh, environmental, social governance, and ESG's background and owning all the uh, activism shareholders of all these companies. They have people on their board who they're going to put on their board now, that they're basically saying, "Are we going to talk about environment?" And they're like, "Yeah, we want to talk a big game on environment." Give me all your money. That's how they're determining who builds these businesses, right? And I don't want to go dark on Bill Gates owning agriculture and all the land, et cetera. But you, you said his name. I mean, it's just, it's connected to that. So who makes the money off this? Ironically, technology. You think technology runs off fucking water? No, it's electricity <laughs> that boosts all this technology, right? So you see the, the whole circle around energy consumption and energy usage, it's almost the same ploy, which I, I, I talk very clearly about of people thinking I have electric cars because I'm going to save the planet. It's like, no, I have an electric car because it's fucking faster than yours. That's the reason why I have an electric car. It's got nothing to do with that. I know it's actually, in the interim, worse for the environment because I know that, you know, coal and, um, well, yeah, coal, actually, I think it's 60% still driven in Arizona, is powering that car. So it's the same thing. The technology groups are getting into that, but they're forgetting to say, oh, I wonder how much energy it's going to take to do all of this, yeah. right?
Yeah. And I don't think it's going to be, and I, and I think you're going to have to find a real strong mind. I think Frank at UC Davis does this. Gosh, I wish I had his name. He's on Twitter. You can find him. He's talking about these things all the time. But um, he has an answer to that, and he can show you, back to your point on the methane, there, it's, it's worse. Like, it's worse. Yeah, and the tech side and the energy and all that's involved to make all that shit, it's actually worse as a net in the end with regards to if you just had a, quote, I call it a regenerative agriculture concept, mm-hmm. right? But if you don't have a regenerative agriculture concept over here and you're talking about massive feedlots, et cetera, oh, there's lots of, there's lots of issues with that. Why doesn't right. everyone have a regenerative farm? Money, space, too, uh, too many culture. People. Uh, industrial age technology. It's margins. Uh, well, yeah, margins. Yeah, are, uh, well, margins are this. Yeah, Wendell Berry. Model, right? Wendell Berry has a great book on <coughs> this. Um, I'll include it in the notes. People can read based upon that. But he talks about that real slow but really powerful change in 10, 15 years of uh, um, the farm and the farm concept moving into big machines and then big product and then big industry and it just wiped the whole thing out and we went only in like 50 years from 47 percent of some you know the americans providing agriculture what would be called the agricultural process to three percent of the entire nation are considered farmers that are producing that particular thing so i mean that tells you the story right there it's a long it's a long trip to get to that point Yeah. yeah i'm usually on the side of like hey we have to we have to we have to go along with the technological advances, but this one's a little bit too much for me. Um, in my lifetime, I wouldn't eat I wouldn't eat this this chicken um, if I didn't have to, right? Like unless you know, <laughs> Tyson brought down the entire chicken industry and yeah. was like, "We're only creating chickens in this way." I think even there, I'd probably figure out how the heck to raise my own chickens and, and slaughter yeah. my own chickens. But um, yeah, I'm, I'd pass on this one. Um, our kids, not, will be, not our kids will be laughing at us. Yeah. They'll look back at this episode and be like, oh gosh. Yeah, this how, stuff's delicious. Look how stupid they were. <laughs> this stuff is like, you know, you never know. It could have, maybe, maybe in 30 years. We, we just don't, we don't grow animals, man. Like that's not. Well, people joked about it's, that it's with not, regards to capitalism, you know, and pe- pulling like the entire globe out of poverty, right? Mm-hmm. When yeah. people made those statements, they were like, oh, what a fucking idiot. There's like the chance that's going to, that's going to happen. And yeah. here we are 80 years later. And what has been the main thing that pulled people out of poverty? capitalism Mm -hmm. you know so i think maybe 50 years down the road maybe our kids kids will be laughing at us this is different than capitalism though this is no uh, i'm using it as a parallel of people laughing at us yeah yeah right you know you know what i mean like we were believing in this like chicken in the backyard and like you know breaking its neck and having it around the family etc and you know our, our kids would be like gosh i can't believe they did that to animals you know because the technology has grown so much to the point where they have this biologically formed (laughs) <laughs> you know, protein, and they're looking at us as these basically Quakers. Yeah, I think, I think there will. I think there will strongly be a massive population of people that will not conform to that idea of like, I can't believe they used to eat animals. Right? It's like you know, uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know. A, uh, no, I think there'll be a pop. There is a population that is on the other side well, you said currently. Huge. Yeah, I guess huge. we're talking about numbers. Yeah, it's huge in numbers, right? Like, there's yeah. not going to be like only a million people that are like in the corner eating real animals still. Um, I don't think we're anywhere close to that idea. It's like, that's, that's, uh, (laughs) yeah, close. I agree. As far as numbers, I disagree. It won't end up like, you know, Ruby Ridge kind of thing. (laughs) Just the odd person up in the, up in the Hills, you know, doing it, you know, doing it primal. Yeah. I don't think it's going to end up that way. Anyway, I'll, I'll pass Uh, on this. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's not, uh, there's a lot of things that, 
there's a lot of questions that I don't think that a lot of people have right now. I don't think the FDA has a lot of answers to some of these questions on like long-term consequences of, of eating a, you know, a piece of protein that's been manipulated nutritionally in a lab and so on and so forth. And I do think it's different than a cucumber. I do think it's different than a GMO, the GMO conversation. Only time will tell. Indeed. I'll sit it out though. You guys let me know how Other, <laughs> if you grow uh, arms out of well, your Well, you know, that's, your but that's my point. Our kids will be <laughs> laughing at you, but we'll be dead. <laughs> so won't be laughing at you in 30 years. Other I notable 80, uh, so. content that I was able to consume in the last week, just because we had some downtime. Uh, we watched the Candace Owens documentary, um, The Greatest Lie Ever Sold. would highly recommend watching that. Um, I had known a lot about what, uh, what the documentary covers, but did not realize um, What's the premise? some of the connection points. Uh, it's all on, uh, on the chicken? George Floyd movement. No. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I, one thing I did not James not like aware the chicken? Of, <laughs> yeah. We're still talking about the chickens? Yeah, no. <laughs> one thing I was not aware of is uh, how much of the uh, profits that were uh, specifically targeted to or donated to transgender initiatives. Um, but it's it's like overwhelming when, when they list off all of the where, where all the money went. Um, notably, like one of the San Francisco efforts to launch a completely transgender community, and then more recently, San Francisco announced that it was launching guaranteed income for trans transgender community, and uh, with quite a bit of money on the table and in multiple ways to opt in for more than just one payout, which was interesting. And then we also watched uh, What is a Woman, the Matt Walsh documentary uh, on Daily Wire also connected to the topic and, and very, very interesting. And then I couldn't not mention uh, just the Balenciaga ad campaign that happened over the holiday week and kind of the the emotional ups and downs that went along with following that. Um, so yeah, I, I had a very similar experience uh, that you had over the Thanksgiving week and just kind of sat there taking it all in. Yeah, I the Balenciaga thing is gross. No, your experience. The, the Balenciaga I don't That's just so how. weird. It I can't wrap my weird. head around that. I can't I, wrap I can't, my like. How did that get approved? <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't. Understand like there wasn't one person through. in the room that was like, oh, "Guys, I don't think I don't this is a that. good idea." No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just shows it's, how, it's um, like we were saying, with the evolution of of advertising and and native content, and then cause marketing and all these things kind of colliding, and then obviously uh, a heavily conditioned um, population that's driving a lot of the creative output. Um, in advertising uh there's a lot there's just a lot of a lot of room for that to kind of stuff to happen yeah that's strange so yeah it's it really strange documentaries are so weird i love them i'm like uh, kind of addicted to documentaries but they're so weird right because um they just do and i'm not saying there's been a ton of terrible documentaries um but i'm not saying all documentaries are intentionally misleading uh with bad intentions um but it's it's like you get into anything for two hours and you hear someone telling one side of the story it's just you're going to get roped into that in any documentary um because i watched a few um i think i talked about the the one that i watched with you mm. i think i think that I think was so. you and i was just like yeah it was kind of BS. Like I saw through it, but I don't think a lot of people saw through it. I won't get into exactly was that my what fault? it was. JFK stuff? No, no, no. It wasn't JFK <laughs> stuff. Uh, but a lot of it's it's just so easy to get wrapped into whatever that narrative is. And it's like documentaries are always like there's always a documentary that everyone's talking about. 
we were just talking about this uh, fake meat stuff. What was it? Game changers a few years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Everyone was talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's having debates about, you know, what they what they left out, what they said, what they didn't say, so on and so forth. And it's like that's just the power of the documentary. You have yeah. two hours of someone's undivided attention just to tell I your side that. of the story and to put as many convincing things inside of that as well. I mean, I um, think this is kind of what where where we're at, right? I mean, that is the, yeah. the goal yeah. of It's a good tie into the whole like we didn't plan on doing that, but it's a good tie into the whole our whole conversation today. Yeah. Agreed. I, I think what it's weird. What do people want to be important? What are they saying they want to be the narrative or the story? Yeah. You know, what do they want to have you talk about? Mm-hmm. What's the reason behind it? Is it for unification or is it for polarization? Yeah. I yeah. mean, maybe it's always been this way, but like the you think about a documentary on like the history channel that's like telling the story of like world war ii right that was my perception of documentaries 10 years ago documentaries today are always driving someone's yeah, political ideology. agenda maybe 30 I mean, years ago maybe but that, think about like 9 11 documentaries fair, fair. let's say 20 ago. years ago yeah, yeah. but like like those two um candace owens and matt walsh like they have very clear agendas like they're they're absolutely in that game of polarization and uh you know fear-mongering and it's not to say not to listen to them. There's maybe something to learn inside of there, but it, it is odd where you've got game changers on one side and then these guys on the other side really trying to drive, it, drive an agenda in a documentary. A documentary is just like not a good source of facts anymore. Coming back to your well, conversation. I mean, I think that depends yeah. on, I think that depends on like who's curating the content and, yeah. you yeah. know, like it is journalism. It can elicit it thoughts, right? It can, yeah, it can yeah. elicit thoughts. I think it's really good at that. Like making you think about something very specifically. You just have to walk away. Objectively. And y- yes, <laughs> like you have to walk away. And and if you are so convinced on what you just watched or learned in that documentary, just go and read some other things, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know we're going back to like, you know, the two sides. Read this yeah. side of the Episode story. Episode 12. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Soulcast. You remember this, right? Exactly. That's I what I talked about on the Soulcast, though. Was that yeah, your point? Is it. that you gotta you gotta you gotta dig in. Yeah. You gotta do the work. That's yep. the thing. You gotta do the work. You gotta listen to both sides. Um, you know, he's talked about in the book, it's called both sideism. It's actually like a concept now. Yep. Um, and that's even being like stones or throw it, you yeah. thrown at you for being both sideism. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just think about the consequences. That's why I say it's individual responsibility and you don't tell anyone about it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You got to do it yourself. You got to do the work and don't tell anyone, but you got to have this, you got to have both sides of the story. And I mentioned it how hard, as hard as it might be. But that's good learning for people because as you're watching that shit that you really don't resonate with, you're like, this disgusts me. You are growing by doing that. Not because the whole time you're like, hmm, you know, it's because you're like, interesting. Like that's, that's a, that's a position that I just heard for two hours was not the same position, you know? It is tiring and it's hard not to uh, have it reinforce your existing beliefs sometimes. So you do have to go into it with the right mindset (laughs) because it's so hard not just to get inflamed by the other side and annoyed by it. Well, that's why... It makes that's why I'm empathetic to people who don't do the work. Yeah. yeah. I'm empathetic because it is hard and it's long. Yeah. Yeah. And I guarantee all of us have fallen victim to that though. Where we oh, yeah. we like we're on so you know, we were on this side so heavily on um an inconsequential topic, right? Mm-hmm. And um we kind of just got fatigued. It was just like why do I care so much about that one side? Like why have I invested so much of my care into believing this thing sometimes it's like a person that you're like i really want to get behind this person and their ideas they eventually let you down and maybe that's the thing that opens your eyes where it's like oh my gosh 
you know, it was the person that convinced me that I should believe X, Y, and Z. Now that that person revealed them truth, their true selves to me, that they're like less than perfect, like all of us. Um, now I'm going to start challenging the ideas that they also made yeah. me believe, right? Yeah. Which um, is the wrong step. <clears throat> what do you right. mean? That mean, the person I didn't know I didn't would, lay that out as a step, just as an example. No, no, no. But that's but the people are making at that point. They're making the wrong next step. Mm-hmm. You know, because at the point where that person let them down, they should have said this, which is my monologue today. Nice setup for it. <laughs> Never put trust in public figures, because it's a it's it's you not recognizing that you're scared shitless to take responsibility for your own thoughts. So when people figure out, oh my guy just said something I don't disagree, I don't agree with, your only tool now is your phone. But your next step should be put the phone down and say, how did I get to this point where idolatry and all these things, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's where I'm, I'm being don't I'm, have a guy. I'm sympathetic Don't to have it. a guy, yeah. don't have a girl, right? Because like I, I think that's the, yeah. that's, the, that's, the, that's the next step, right? It's like you have to realize like, yeah, it's like <laughs> that's I, can't, right. I can't. And it, we, we had like this conversation, it. we had this conversation in your office a few weeks ago uh, around like all this election stuff. And we we're like, what happened? What do you think? What do you think? And, you know, like, I think I said the, the like the, the idea that I, that I proposed where it's just like people are just putting too much stock in, in people, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, I really want this person to win because I believe everything that this person believes and this person stands for everything that I believe in. And if you sit in the in a room with that person for any amount of time, I guarantee that person is going to let you down because yeah. they're displaying something from a public-facing standpoint that is not the truth, yeah. right? They're telling you what you want to hear. They're speaking to you. Uh, they're speaking to you through things that they know are going to make you emotional and angry. And the other side is this and the other side is that. Where it's like in politics right now, I think that is the that is the big problem, What what your monologue is on today, right? Where people just put so much stock into their guy where they're just like, my guy is going to take us forward with this thing. And then their guy lets them down and they're like, well, now what? Mm -hmm. And good point, right? Like the next step is usually to find another guy or go to the digital world instead of of think about like, oh my gosh, like how did I get roped into that? Mm -hmm. What do I actually believe? Or actually look around and go, it's not that bad. Yeah. Right. But I, I am sympathetic to, the people getting behind someone because of what we love about, uh, you know, a number of people having the same beliefs in one particular thing. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a powerful unifying thing, right? We don't, they're not always negative things. They can be positive things, right? So if, uh, I won't lay them out, but it's pretty clear, especially in our lectures here in Arizona, it was pretty clear, you know, there's two different sides. But I, I really resonate with both sides relative to what they say they truly believe in. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get into the thick of it and et cetera, like you said, get to talk to each of these people, I'm sure we'll all fall prey to that yeah. that issue, right? Yeah, of yeah. Just Listen, they're just humans, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and they're acting as this role of a politician, right? So that's, that, but I'm saying that's our mistake, right? We've made a mistake to think that these are supposed to be these moral characters, right? It's, no, they're politicians, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're doing a job and they really believe that they're in this place to do that job best and good on them, but... Anyways, it's what I love about America because over time you c- it could you know resolve itself. You know, I would hope by conversation and getting out there and and having conversation and making making a dent. Yeah. One thing I will say about the "What Is a Woman" documentary, which I had no clue as we were like browsing through just things to watch, and it and it came up as an option. And the first the teaser of it actually is like looks like a throwback to an old like sex ed video that you would have seen in mm-hmm. you know I don't know in elementary school forty years ago. Um, so I had no clue what we were about to watch, 
and then got into it. And I really did appreciate the way that uh, he just asked questions, asked very simple questions, didn't respond, didn't kind of like force an, an agenda or a message um, and just let let the conversation unfold. And obviously it does tell, uh, tell a story very clearly. Um, but I did really appreciate it. I think it's worth a watch, I think. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he didn't really have to say a lot, right? Like, you know, the, a lot of the questions that were asked and the people that they were asked to, it was really clear that they were going to give uh, some pretty asinine answers to that. So I think yeah. that was the, that was like the, that was the, the intention going into that. It's like, hey, let's just ask these people these questions. We know what they're going to say. And it's going to be so out of bounds to everyone watching that they're going to appreciate that we didn't have a re we didn't have to have a rebuttal, right? Yeah. It was like I think that was very yeah. targeted on their part. Yeah, I've heard criticism <clears throat> of that documentary specifically um, around the folks that they chose to ask the questions to as just being very ill-equipped, very extreme, um, and just not the yeah. ones that are going to be able to take a nuanced. And response. I think that's the no, point, though. no, like, open but, but no, 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 no. Hold on, there. no, they, they, uh, there was probably. I'm going to throw an arbitrary percentage out here just to say like it was enough of a percentage, but it was like 20, 25% like college professors and, mm -hmm. and all of that. It wasn't just people. It was I think some of those off. folks are pretty extreme. <laughs> but those are the, those are the people, those yeah. are the people those that are representative. To, yeah, those are the people that are teaching mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would agree. That's why I said like, you don't even have to have a rebuttal because their responses were so extreme and most people are like, what? But you get the thousands of students that are in those universities and being taught that. That's like normal. They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I learned that in, in, uh, in lecture yesterday. That's fine, right? So I think us, we look at that and we're like, what? But I think that was that was the point there, right? Just it's like expose, those are the people that are teaching yeah, just those Just to things. have some exposure because we in our everyday lives, we're not exposed to what's happening and, and what young children are being exposed to and what's happening in that dynamic so I think for me it was just very eye-opening to know that that exists because it's just it I would have thought too oh this is something that's like an extremism it doesn't exist as much as it, maybe you would think it exists but but with how many interviews and the variety of people that were spoken to across different industries it was shocking to me that uh how, pre how prevalent it is yeah it's called uh, blocked and reported uh Katie and I forget the gentleman's name they do a good show on this Je Jesse something yeah, yeah Jesse um they do a good job of uh, let's call it the the centerpiece of this of the they do. you know the the extremism version of that mm -hmm. uh, and the reason why I like it is because they they're saying like you know we may dis they'll say I listen I disagree with Matt's loathsome whatever the the terminology they got their own shit to deal with that's why they're basically doing that but um but they'll also say, but this is not something, this is something, they do say clearly, this is not something that is, is a minority conversation, right? It is bigger than what people make it out to be. Yeah. And they will say that, unfortunately, there's a huge representation of people who do believe these things and do act this way, right? And uh, so, but at least they could, they're talking about it with, I guess, uh, not from that side. They're yeah, talking yeah. about the same thing, but from another side, and they offer a little bit more you know, conversation uh, that I think would be, I guess it, it would, it, it's back to my point in episode Counts. 12, it would round out the perspective, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah, he's the one that I heard. And then Benjamin Boyce conversations would just uh, be a perfect uh, connection to all three of those. Is it Jesse Singleman? Is that? Single, I think. Single, single. single. Yeah, he's the Apologize. one that I heard talking about the documentary. And is that uh, but he was Herzig? Katie Herzig? Yes, yes. yeah. yeah. He, he was canceled originally because he wrote the piece on people who went back on their decision to transition, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So they, they know what that, what that energy is like, right? The activism aspect and the percentages. Um, 
Yeah. Anyways, uh, good product placement for fitness and relations, the podcast that <laughs> Melissa Gitran and I are doing because we're, we're talking about these and tying them into fitness, these type of topics on language, sex language, gender language, um, the issues around that, uh, the conversational role modeling, who's in society talking about these things, are they important for, you know, fitness coaches and conversations we have with people, you know, so... We'll, we'll discuss some of those yeah, things. Yeah, that's where the that's polarization big... just becomes really dangerous because it it uh, it it uh, it blocks all the conversations that could happen yeah, or should happen absolutely. in between. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I'm sure w- what you're, I haven't heard that episode that you're talking about with um, Katie and Jesse, but I'm sure that's like a, well, a, conver- all of them really, a conversation, of them. a conversation in between. Right. It's like the polarization of any idea. Um, if you are opposing that because the only thing the person knows that's on this side, the only thing they know is what's all the way over here. They don't want to hear it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, and with a lot of topics, I think there is, uh, an opportunity to have a conversation in, in that like middle zone, uh, instead of being way over here or way over there. I think um, it's, I think it's a myth though, that it's going to happen. I really don't think, I think. I think it doesn't happen. There's no such thing as center talk. Mm-hmm. And if it is out there, no one listens to it. Yeah. <laughs> There's so, I mean, center talk is actually you gotta someone go over here it. and someone over there having Maybe a conversation. But that's my point. C- centerism is, uh, uh, is ostracized yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Right? So just think about that. Like even you want to tip your toe into it, right? Be a quote unquote public figure to have a conversation on it. You, you will be kicked out of the conversation. Even if they're, and they're, they're not popular. Center yeah. conversation is not popular. Get to know our hosts and a sneak peek behind the scenes of the Live a Larger Life show when you follow us on Instagram at Live a Larger Life. We look forward to chatting with you there. Right. It used to be. It's not odd. It used to be. It, yeah, it, used, to be. it used to be the center. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think that like protecting our children will bring us back to a place where we can have those conversations? No, I don't because I think people have very different perceptions on what protecting children look like, unfortunately. Like I don't think there's, I think, I mean, James, you might have more insight into this. I'm just trying to understand this, the question. Well, I didn't I mean, get the like, question. Like, ch- our children are obviously at the center of a lot of th- the polarization. You know, and so like if if the if yeah, the common the, if the center yeah, they're is downstream is coming together yeah they're downstream from it yeah or, or directly being impacted by some of these things well yeah so that is arguable but it doesn't mean it's not arguable on an effect size that's not an issue there, there it is an issue right there are these doctors there are these people participating in you know sneakily uh, gender affirmation at the schools uh, leading to no conversation with parents leading to the next steps yes. That does happen, um, but at the effect size, really, there's argument to that, the effect size of which it's happening. Um, at the same time that I say that, I know that this young person's perspective of growing up today is really difficult because of the digital platform that they grow up on, mm-hmm. right? So, and again, I don't want just to lean that back into like rip the phones away and have conversations with your kids. That's not realistic. It's not going to happen. But it is. Though. But I think I it's think an it adult is, conversation. I think it is realistic. Adult conversation that downstream, I am concerned of the effects of the next steps that are taken from that, right? So listen, I'm, I'm definitely like really hesitant um, to those particular, let's call it adult style conversations seeping into education or 
being visible for young children as quote unquote, you know, options of how to live your life or who you are and what your perception is. I am squirmish on that, honestly, because I know what the next steps are. If you really think a 12 year old is going to like have all of a sudden 14 options, right? Whatever you want to call it, they now have 14 options. You really think they're going to make a logical decision that they connect them to what they're going to be like in their health when they're 60. Come on folks. Right. Really? But see, the, the point that I just made, people really do think that they should have 14 options. So I am squirmish, yeah, with regards to the next steps that are taken beyond this, what I call an adult conversation of it seeping into young people getting this as a perception, right? But I, and I understand why you'd want to be so extreme to use a biblical context of man, woman, and everything doesn't change based upon that. And I am, you know, understanding of the other side evolution, adaptation of humans, and the concept of how we're going to work in the, this whole thing together, I think I just don't see, I don't see a center on that conversation ever coming out in my lifetime. Yeah, I don't, I don't see And I think ever. a lot of parents are protecting their All kids. All I see is extreme through, for good reason, and I understand both sides. I think a lot of parents are protecting their kids through polarization as well, right? Where it's just like, I know I don't want you to think the other thing, so I'm going to teach you the thing oh, way yeah. far, yeah. far, over far correction. away. Yeah, yeah. An overcorrection totally. of both sides. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. Great. Uh, did you have a... I did, but uh, unfortunately, we are one minute over. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Next week. Yeah. Gosh. And it's funny because you guys... We're talking Sorry, about like vaping Carl. and all that. You're and the one that asked, started asking all the questions. That's Were you going to do vaping? Yeah. That was my backup oh, topic so for this oh, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to do, um, yeah, cigarette smoking rates and vaping. Can we just do a whole episode on that? Like um, consumption yeah, next be, week? Yeah, that'd yeah. be interesting. I, I also want to, I love this. This is what I actually love about doing all the other uh, episodes or podcasts that I do is that we always come up with great ideas of things to discuss in the future. So I do want to say that I do want to have an episode as well on... Um, your point on it's a, it's a, it's a it's a larger philosophical point uh, that we could all debate. Where does technology fit in as a positive for human good, and where are the downfalls of that? And yeah. try as hard as we can. I know that's a massive topic, but try as hard as we can because I can come up with a list of twenty on both sides of pros and cons. And listen, and the, the chicken fits into that, right? Yeah. So. Well, I, listeners, if you have any, it's not called uh, chicken. No kill chicken, I call it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Or, or it could be sorry. called NK chicken. I'm trying to break the fourth wall right now. Guys, if you have any recommendations for topics that you'd like us to hit on, submit those as well. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Let us know. Yeah. Awesome. We'll somehow tie all these things into fitness. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. We talked about weight loss today. Yeah, and fake chicken and thoughts. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you're on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and join us in the comments below. 